This is the 77 WABC minicast. Good morning, everybody. This is the other side of midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Normally, I would not read <clears throat> emails or SMS text messages on days other than Tuesday, but this is particularly timely. Normally, I would not encourage anybody that sends me an email f- as uh, from a phone number rather than sends a text message from a phone number. So I don't want to encourage that person. But again, it's just so timely and so well-written. Dear Superstar, remember that chopped liver I gave you in the blue Tupperware back in 1989? I want the Tupperware back. Please. (laughs) Frank, well done. Well done, Frank. That is uh, absolutely outstanding. All right. A lot to get to here. Uh, we're all familiar with epilepsy, right? I think many of us have known people with epilepsy, and it's a it's a rough thing uh, that anybody has and you, you deal with. And I've talked to a lot of people that have had children with it. It's a really rough thing. And anyway, before epilepsy was understood to be a neurological condition, people believed that it was caused by the moon. That's why you, you ever hear the term... Um, lunatic, that comes, that that Luna, that part of it, Luna is moon. And it was thought that the moon made people flip out. That's where that term lunatic came from. So if you were experiencing an epileptic seizure, they would call you a lunatic. Uh, Some people thought it was caused by the moon. Some people thought it was caused by phlegm in the brain. Some people condemned seizures as evidence of witchcraft or demonic possession. They sometimes castrated sufferers of epilepsy to prevent them from passing tainted blood to a new generation. I think there are even some cultures where they killed them. Now today, we know that epilepsy is a disease. And by and large, it's accepted that a person who causes a fatal traffic accident while in the grip of a seizure should not be charged with murder. Right? That all makes sense. Now, Stanford University neurobiologist Robert Sapolsky has studied this kind of thing, and he said, yeah, that's good that we're not charging people who suffer an epileptic seizure while driving with murder, but there's still a long way to go. Sapolsky has is saying something now which is really revolutionary and it really may upend the whole world, everything we know about studying the brain. After more than 40 years of studying humans and other primates, Sapolsky has reached the conclusion that virtually all human behavior is as far beyond our conscious control as the convulsions of a seizure, uh, as the divisions of a cell or the beating of our hearts. This means accepting that a man who shoots into a crowd has no more control over his fate than the victims who happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. It means treating drunk drivers who barrel into pedestrians just like drivers who suffer a sudden heart attack and veer out of their lane. Los Angeles Times. The world is really screwed up. 
and made much, much more unfair by the fact that we reward people and punish people for things they have no control over. He says, you ready for this? We've got no free will. Stop attributing stuff to us that isn't there. This man, Robert Sapolsky, is not a, pardon the term, lunatic. He's not some fringe guy. This is a man who is very well respected in his field, has studied this for decades. He is a MacArthur Genius Grant winner. You know these grants that they give out to the geniuses? He won one of those for being a genius. Sapolsky is extremely aware that this is an out there position, and it is, obviously. Basically, he's saying we can't throw anybody in prison for anything. Most neuroscientists believe humans have at least some degree of free will. So do most philosophers. And the vast majority of the general population, free will is essential to how we see ourselves, fueling the satisfaction of achievement or the shame of failing to do the right thing. You go rob a grocery store, you chose to rob a grocery store. You go cheat on your husband, you chose to cheat on your husband. So saying that people have no free will is a great way to start an argument. This is partly why Sapolsky, who describes himself as majorly averse to interpersonal conflict, put off writing his new book. It's called Determined, A Science of Life Without Free Will. I'm going to invite this guy on the show. And um, for more than three decades, he escaped the politics of academia to study baboons in rural Kenya for a few months every year. And he tells the L.A. Times, I'm really, really really trying not to sound like a combative jerk in the book. I deal with human complexities by going and living in a tent. So, yeah, I'm not up for a lot of brawls about this. Analyzing human behavior through the lens of any single discipline obviously leaves a lot of room for the possibility that people choose their actions. But according to Sapolsky, after a long cross-disciplinary career, he feels it's intellectually dishonest to write anything other than what he sees as the unavoidable conclusion, that free will is a myth. And the sooner we accept that, the more just our society will will be. So this book just came out yesterday, and it builds builds on a previous book of his, best-selling book called Behave, The Biology of Humans at Our Best and Worst. And the book breaks down the neurochemical influences that contribute to human behaviors. It analyzes the milliseconds to centuries preceding, say, the pulling of a trigger or the suggestive touch on an arm. This book, Determined, goes even further. If it's impossible for any single neuron or any single brain to act without influence from factors beyond its control, according to Sapolsky, there can be no logical room for free will. Many people with even a passing, you know, knowledge of biology can comfortably agree with this up to a point. We know we make far worse decisions when we're hungry, when we're stressed out, when we're scared. We know our physical makeup is influenced by the genes inherited from distant ancestors and by our mother's health during pregnancy. 
And there's evidence that indicates that people who grew up in homes marked by chaos and uh, difficult times perceive the world differently and make different choices than people raised in safe, stable, resource-rich environments. And a lot of important things are beyond our control. But what Sapolsky is saying is that everything is beyond our control. He's saying we have no meaningful command over our choice of careers, over our choice of romantic partners, even our choice of weekend plans. If you reach out right now and pick up a pen, was that even insignificant action somehow preordained? According to Sapolsky, yes, it was. In the book and to the countless students who've asked the same question, what the student experiences as a decision to grab the pen is preceded by a jumble of competing impulses beyond his or her conscious control. Maybe their peak is heightened because they skipped lunch. Maybe they're subconsciously triggered by the professor's resemblance to an irritating relative. But if you look at the forces that brought them to the professor's office or to the classroom, feeling empowered to challenge a point, they're more likely to have had parents who themselves were college-educated, more likely to hail from an individualistic culture rather than a collective one. All those influences subtly nudge behavior in predictable ways. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. 